I've given up back to back to back home runs on Thirsty Thursday, so nothing could get worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine in A ball. Back to back to back. Back to oh. back to back, right? Go big or go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moms and Baseball. This is episode 29, and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Diana. We have another guest with us today. We have Derek Hurley, who is originally from Staten Island, New York, and is currently living in Houston, Texas. He also has family or on his wife's side from Michigan, so we always appreciate the Michigan connection. He played baseball at Division I Seton Hall University, I hope I said that right, in New Jersey, and was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 30th round of the 1999 Major League Draft. We're looking forward to talking to Derek today about his baseball career, and he will also be talking to us later on in the episode about some brand new protective technology for baseball players. So welcome, Derek. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, ladies. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Good to be here. Good to be here and talk some baseball. Awesome. So first, we always like to start off with your early years. So when did you start playing, Derek? And what did baseball look like for you as a child? (laughs) Funny question and a good one right off the bat, considering I played (laughs) and then I've worked in the industry for a while with lessons, camps, clinics, and and running the academy side of things. Um, I actually got into baseball. My my dad, he played the Michigan Connection. He played at the University of Michigan in the late 60s and was drafted by the Twins due to an arm injury and no technology. His career ended rather early after a promising start. Um, and so as a kid, I grew up as destined to be the baseball player. And so they got me in T-ball at four, which was a year or two younger than, you know, they got me in because I was Jack Early's son type of deal. And uh-huh. um, I hated it. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was, well, New York in March, April, beginning of the year, oh, 8 yeah. a.m. games. It's terrible weather. Oh, mm-hmm. we know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So my mom would have to bribe me with bartered rolls and hot chocolate from the snack stand <laughs> just to get me to the field. Um, and so... Okay, baseball parents, it's that time of year where in the Midwest, we're freezing cold outside, but guess what? Baseball is starting. So we want to go out there and make sure that you are covered. The amazing Mombi hooded blanket is what you need. Head to mombyblankets.com. Mombi is spelled M-A-M-B-E. So mombyblankets.com and use the coupon code MOMSANDBASEBALL to get 10% off your purchase. It um, turned out that uh, after that season, I was very adamant about not playing baseball anymore. And so with that, I got into a few other sports. You know, I played soccer for a little bit, um, didn't really get into that. Um, And then I got into, I wanted to get into football. So I played football and then basketball and loved the two of those. And then when I was eight going on nine, my parents said, all right, well, you know, you're going to, we're going to sign you up. You're going to get back into baseball. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. I remember how that went the last time. And that stunk. It was miserable. I'm not doing it. And so they were just like, whatever, whatever, we're signing you up. And um, my Little League is Mid-Island Little League in Staten Island, New York. And they've act- they actually won the Little League World Series in the 60s. And then they've been back to Williamsport a few times since then, as well as our, you know, some of the other rival baseball Little Leagues on the island. They- South Shore Little League's on and they've been there a few times. So Little League baseball is very big where I came from. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone would have like these extra tryouts, the four tryouts type of deal. And well, oh, coaches yeah. would call my house and, you know, hell, you know, they would see my name in the pool and they would try 
trying to all get me. And obviously none of them even saw me play. They just knew my dad and just figured <laughs> I was pretty good. And so they would recruit me to all these tryouts. And I just would get the messages and not tell my parents because I didn't want to play baseball because I remembered at four, it stunk. <laughs> So, um, lo and behold, they finally caught on to what I was up to. And, um, I got thrown into one of the tryouts and at nine years old, obviously everyone could catch throw and do some things. And so I, I fell in love with it at that point. Um, now between four and nine, it wasn't like I didn't play baseball. My dad was coaching teams in colleges and advanced um, women's softball teams. So basically, my little league t-ball years was between four and nine, <laughs> catching up for high school kids and just being around really oh, good yeah. players. So it, for me, it was way different. And I hate to say, it, like I in the academy days when I worked there, I'd have you know parents come in and say, "Oh, you know, like a badge of honor." Like, well, my kid's been playing since he's three, and I'm like, "Well, I hated it and didn't start playing." I was nine and I got a baseball card. So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, right. it's just, right. you know, sometimes it's like, Hey, don't push the kid. He's going to hate it. You know, let him kind of be. And for me, it was, you know, going to practice with my dad and like catching up for high school, college kids, like, you know, they're throwing the ball way harder than any little league kid would ever even throw it at me at that age. And, you know, you just, just kind of absorbed it, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden when I got to little league, it was kind of like, wow, I'm pretty good, you know, and, um, (laughs) never had lessons really, you know, obviously I was lucky my dad played. So he gave me some, some guidance and basic tips, but, um, you know, I, I, I joke, I, I didn't think I played fall ball until I was a junior in high school, maybe. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and now it's just totally different from the way I grew up. I mean, I grew up, you know, I was pretty much baseball, basketball. I played football and made me a better baseball player overall. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how I, I my, my younger years when I was uh, got into playing. Yeah. I, I like that you had, you know, a different pack. I, I just read a post about basically how travel ball nowadays is like it's all about keeping up with the joneses we we said that a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago and it's like well my kid plays for select ball and two travel teams it's just a lot and you do see a lot of us pushing our kids a ton it sounds like there was definitely some encouragement from your parents but they at least let sure. you take several of those years off to just be a kid and have fun with it but i have been a proponent and i'm totally a hypocrite in this because this is not what i did but if i could go back <laughs> this is what i would do again you know hindsight 2020 type of thing i feel like we start our kids in baseball too young and they hate it like mm-hmm. i don't know about when you well you said you started when you were 4 and you said you started earlier than a lot of other kids. I think for us, because we're, you know, basically close to the same age, T-ball was for like six-year-olds and now it's yep, for yep. like maybe three, four-year-olds. Yes. Yes. I call that herding cats. That's not T-ball or baseball. Yeah. Right. Three or four totally is herding is. cats. Yeah. And so like <laughs> yeah. in our experience at that age, the kids love soccer because it's so mm-hmm. obvious. It's mm-hmm. just kick the ball in the goal and they're running around and they're staying busy Mm -hmm. and it's engaging to them. And and then not only that, but T-ball isn't often actually T-ball. They're still pitching to the kids at that age. And and so the kids out in the field are standing there waiting for five, six pitches. The kid isn't hitting Mm -hmm. it. So then the coach goes and stands them and holds them up and shows them how to hit it off the tee. And then they go through the whole lineup. So the kids out in the field are standing around doing absolutely nothing forever. And my kid hated T-ball. He wanted to quit. He mm-hmm. just wanted to do soccer. Yep. And that's why I tell people, like, do not worry about starting them at four or five. Like, if uh, they want to wait until they're mm-hmm. six and it's more like real baseball and they can understand it, I, I don't know. You know, at that age, like you said, that they need to move. Baseball is really, 
not that game. And and I think that's for me when I was six, seven, especially eight, you know, I was just going to practice and there was older kids there. Right. So I was just going to keep my mouth shut and stay in line. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? I'm six or seven. Right. These kids are 12, 13, 14. I might as well have been at Shea Stadium with the 86 Mets. You know, it's just like, <laughs> this is unbelievable. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you get hit in the palm a little bit. If I was with kids my age, I might've started crying a little bit, but you know, you get hit in the palm and it's like, <laughs> oh, all right, I'm not going to stand there. I got to be tough. Yeah. All right. right. Here I we go. That it. didn't hurt. Take it. Yeah. So th- th- I think there was a lot of that. And then definitely just through those little things like that helped me way more than, than the average six-year-old that you just described, you know? So I think, and then when I jumped back into being eight, nine and playing and organized, it was just, it, it just flowed for me. It was great. Yeah. So was it mostly your little league or did you do any select ball or travel ball? I mean, I'm 43. So my little league years were in the mid eighties mm-hmm. and it was just little league now. Okay. So when I was 10, 11, 12, I guess I played in the major division, which is kind of like your Williamsport all-star group, right. you know, 10, 11, 12, you little league. And mm-hmm. so now I was 10 playing with 11s and 12. So, you know, I, I tell people too, like, Hey, my whole 10 year old season, you only had to play one full game. Other than that, you just had to play your three inning half a game and the older kids played full games. Right. And so you learn to, Mm -hmm. you know, younger guy, know your role, (laughs) you know, pay your dues. And then when I was 11, I played a little more. And when I was 12, I was a star. You know, it wasn't just like, all right, well, the 10 year olds have to play as much as the 12 year olds. And you know what I mean? You had to earn your keep a little bit. Yeah. And because our little league was as competitive as it was, you know, we always challenged for winning the island to go into the regionals and all. I guess you could say we were a little league team that kind of played a little bit of a select schedule because we just played a lot of extra games here and there that he just would schedule us scrimmages, which at the end of the day was still great because, you know, we would play all these games, but I never once was with my family at the field for eight hours a day on a Saturday and Sunday and got home Sunday at midnight with a piece of plastic ring on my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, even even in high school, my showcase travel team, which was like a legit team. And out of that team, I think most of the kids played college baseball. Two of us got drafted. Wow. We played one game on Friday, a doubleheader on Sunday. And that was like our high school, our age league. And then during the week, we either played one or two games a week. Um, my father, who was our coach, because there wasn't too many teams our age that can, you know, be competitive with us all, you know, what we needed consistently. My dad put us in a men's league. Okay. <laughs> so when we were 16 years old, you know, our parents were driving us to the games and then the guys are getting off of the trading floor in New York City, taking their suits off, putting their baseball pants on in the parking lot. <laughs> and we would go there and play these men. And we pretty much won most of the time. Uh, nice <laughs> we had a pretty good team you know i'm sure those guys hated you know looking back oh yeah we didn't even think about it but we would you know go out there and sometimes wipe the floor with them and it's just kind of like we're in the dugout smile and laugh and nowadays i'm like oh they probably want to kill us <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> they weren't expecting you that's good <laughs> yes so yeah so literally you know 10 through 12 wasn't really there was really no travel ball. You know what I mean? It was your little league and your little league tournament. And that was it. 
Um, we played one weekend. There was a Labor Day tournament upstate New York that we would play in um, when I was 10, 11, 12. And it was kind of like you went up there and it was, you know, you, you played. If you lost two, you, you know, you lost one, you were done. Right. So there wasn't any of this like mm -hmm. everyone gets to play a few. I mean, we practiced for a month. We loaded up, drove two hours and we could have been home the next day. You know what I mean? So like that that's how I grew up playing. You know, there were stakes involved, not, oh, well, every weekend we're going to play a tournament, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a fine line these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, after the game's over, yeah, be upset and cry a little bit for a minute and then go get a hot dog and a soda and go run around and play with your friends afterwards. And, you know, mm -hmm. remember that feeling and, and kind of do it that way. You know, my dad, listen, when I grew up, I hated the word constructive criticism because after a game, I would get <laughs> constructive criticism. No, you did good, but, you know, you could. Uh -huh. And that was, that was always a contentious car ride home um, oh, yeah. with, right. my mom, with my mom being the official. My brother said he's deaf in his left ear from those car rides home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but I will give him credit. Once he got out of the car, though, it was over. You know what I mean? Because he played. You know what I mean? He, it yeah. didn't harm. But I see nowadays, you know, and, and I hate to say a lot of times it's the parents that really weren't good. And they're so much harder on their kids because they weren't good. And it's kind of like, well, hey, you, easy. Like, you created this, remember, and you weren't that good. So, like... <laughs> Let's right. take it easy. We'll, take a step back. I always say this, everyone on both sides, coaches, parents, everybody, if you step back and just have realistic expectations, you know what I mean? I find that when someone's telling me about their kid, less is more. And a lot of times, you know, I'll have a dad or mom just saying, yeah, my kid's pretty good. And, you know, just downplay it. Then I see him on the field. I'm like, no, your kid's really good. You know, but then the parent that's selling me hard on their kid, I'm generally like, okay, let's get him on the field. And it's like, okay, this is what I thought. You're trying to sell me more than, mm -hmm. than he can do on the field. Right. Right. No, that's a good point. So you mentioned that you played other sports. At what point did you specialize in baseball? Okay. So like I said, I played football up until about, I think I was, I played when I was eight, nine and 10. And then the 11, 12 year old division, I looked over the fence and was like, yeah, I'm skinny. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with football now. Um, and so then I went over to basketball and baseball and uh, baseball. I loved, I mean, baseball was my passion. my love basketball. I enjoyed just playing with my friends in the games, um, the sprints and suicides. I hated. <laughs> I, I don't think I, there's anything at baseball practice. I was like, oh, I hated that part of practice. You know, basketball. I was like, oh, I just hate the running. <laughs> but as a pitcher, didn't you have to do a lot of running? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. okay. So, yeah. So I, I guess in my youth years, basketball was almost used as like my track running conditioning. Uh huh. And I was pretty good. You know, my sophomore year on the JV team I was I was one of the captains of the team and you know I was a pretty good player and then my junior year uh and senior year I didn't play basketball I just concentrated on baseball fully part of it was didn't love the varsity coach on the basketball program and I was a baseball player and they kind of wanted me to do more basketball and I was like well Odds are, you know, I'm playing small forward here for this small private Catholic school on Staten Island. Like, I'm not really going anywhere in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, baseball, I, I have a shot here. So basketball, once I hung the shoes up in February, I, you know, I was really hardcore baseball. And so maybe me and the coaching staff didn't see eye to eye on that. And I just said, you know what? 
at this point, I'm a junior. I know what I want. I know where I got to go. I know what I need to do. I don't love that other sport enough to sacrifice. And up until that point, though, and I mean, up until 16, you know, I was always just doing stuff. I mean, we didn't even lift weights. I mean, when I was in high school, I didn't lift weights. I mean, I was running and playing and, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just playing sports all the time, I think is what I was doing. Um, Right. I mean, even in college, when I got into college in 1995 fall, even then weightlifting and baseball was just, just, just starting. You know, pitchers was still kind of taboo. Stay away from the weights. Um, not until, you know, 99, I graduated college, got into pro ball. And then it was just like, Hey, there's the weight room. Why don't you go get lost in there? And then it was transforming for me. You know, it really impacted my career greatly. Uh, you know, I definitely owe a lot later on to the weight room, but in my younger years, it was all about playing wall ball, basketball, stick ball, baseball, you name it with a ball and we'd make up a game. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting because it seems to be a really common theme in the people that we've talked talk to Stephanie that they played a lot of sports but then junior senior year of high school they Mm -hmm. really just kind of focused primarily on baseball that that seems to have happened to almost everybody we've interviewed actually really yeah Mm -hmm. were there any notable memories or accomplishments from playing in your high school ball so I played all four years um two years on JV two years on varsity my junior year I actually was hurt and didn't play I mean I think I had a few innings didn't even play my junior year um, because I had tendonitis in my shoulder Ooh. and you know, that's one of those things too. I tell people, uh, you know, when people throw their arms in the air, like, Oh, my son got hurt his junior year. He doesn't have an offer. He didn't, you know, he's not, everyone's at the school signing these rah, rah papers and all this other stuff. And I didn't sign my scholarship to go to college until June of my senior year, the end of June after I graduated. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. We keep doing it earlier and earlier now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, we do. So we know that you were a pitcher at Seton Hall University, but could you talk to Mm -hmm. us a little bit about the whole college recruiting process then, since you said it was a little bit different, and how you decided upon them? Mm -hmm. So interesting enough, you know, not playing my junior year of high school may have hurt me, may not have, you know, who knows, you know, we're talking about a different era, you know, a lot of it was just word of mouth. Um, So my senior year, played in the fall, had a had a pretty good season. And during that season, now I started getting some looks. And a lot of them were from, you know, a lot of the local colleges in the area. Being that my dad went away to the University of Michigan and played, that was my dream school. Uh, I'm a huge Michigan fan to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a kid, <laughs> we went out to the big house all the time and went out for games and such. Uh-huh. So my senior year, uh, we went out on a visit there. And uh, I forgot even who the coach was. Goff, maybe. I forgot. I forgot who the Jeff Getz maybe was the coach at the time. And we went on the visit and, you know, they basically said, hey, listen, you know, we've seen your video and your numbers and we know you can play. Um, We just don't have any money here. Um, We don't have any scholarship money. Um, You can come out here. Um, Obviously, your legacy, you know, preferred walk on deal. And we basically gave our last scholarship away. (laughs) And so now I'm a senior in high school. This is 1995. And I said, you know, my parents are like, well, hey, if you want to go there. And I'm like, well, I got schools that are looking to give me money. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go in the bank and take loans out. And I said, you know, schools want me, right? They, They want me, but they don't really want me. So I said, you know, I'm I'm going to go where I'm wanted. That was also a real world, real life experience that was um, kind of uh, good for me. And uh, my catcher in summer ball, Tom Gregorio, really good player. He got drafted by the Angels in 1999. 
um, was getting recruited by Troy State in Alabama. And through that, they saw me. So my senior high school, Seton Hall and Troy State were recruiting me. Um, I actually signed the papers for Seton Hall and went out to dinner to celebrate and got home. My dad was like, hey, Troy State called and they offered you a lot more money. And I was like, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, oh, so I went to bed, woke up the next morning and was like, you know, my dream was to go away to college. You know what I mean? And Seton Hall Mm -hmm. is 40, 40 minutes away, 30 minutes away, you know, and I wanted to go down south and the whole southern baseball. And so sight unseen i committed i called up seat hall and i said thank you i said but i have to you know renege on this i said you know the money is just such a difference and he to his credit the the coach there said no, i get it totally understand your situation no problem good luck so i went to troy my freshman year we won 41 games or something i mean we were legit we beat auburn we wow. you know we had yeah we were really good lost in our conference tournament and didn't make the regionals we were like one of the first four out or something. And at the end of the year, I realized we won 40 plus games and everyone's coming back. Um, So I knew my playing time was still going to be limited until Mm -hmm. kids graduated and whatnot. So I made the decision. I said, well, you know what? I need to play to get better and to be seen. And, you know, my dream is to play, get drafted. So I left my scholarship, which my mom was not too happy about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I I said, uh, yeah, I'm coming home to go to school. And they said, no, you're not. They said, you know, let's just hold off. And I said, nah, I said, I'm coming home. And so my dad said, um, Hey, listen, he's like, school's over. You come home, throw up here, let me watch you. And then we'll discuss it. And I said, okay, yeah, fine. So I packed up my dorm and UPS everything home. Um, they told me to leave everything down there. <laughs> and so oh, I landed, boy. I land, I, I get home in June, I land, get to the airport and they're like looking at me and it's like, yeah, you sent all your stuff on. I was like, yep. And I was like, I'm pitching tomorrow. Right. And my dad set up a game for me. He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. And I went out there the next day and shoved. I mean, I, through <laughs> I, I, I pitched against a pretty good team and i had a pretty good game uh and when the game was over my dad was like all right man you can do whatever you want oh. uh, and so that summer i started getting recruited again because i was like a free agent so to speak you know back east it was some of the smaller schools and i just said you know what i'm gonna take a risk i'm gonna go to junior college for a year and see what i can do there so i went to a junior college in jersey had a pretty good year. And then Seton Hall came back around, St. John's, um, Florida Atlantic. And at that point, I said, you know what? The Southern trip didn't work out too great for me. I have good roots here. I've been doing well here. I have a pretty good name for myself here. And so I was down to Seton Hall and St. John's. And basically, St. John's is in Queens and in the city. And Seton Hall was in Jersey and they had, you know, more of a campus feel, mm-hmm. you know, grass, the lawn and everything. And I wanted a more of a college feel. Um, and so that's why I chose Seton Hall over St. John's. I mean, both great programs, coaching and the whole deal. It was just for me, I wanted a little more of that dorm and college life because I lived in the city growing up. Right. I'd ride through Times Square on my bike when I was 12. So I put in two years at Seton Hall and then wound up getting drafted uh, by the Pirates. So did you finish all four years before you were drafted? I did. I actually walked in graduation and a week later I was in the Penn League uh, as a Williamsport crosscutter. So that was pretty cool and got my degree, got my got my everything. And then I was off playing ball, which was nice because now I was like, figured I'm done. I'm on borrowed time now. You know, I got drafted. I was 21. I was a you know, college senior graduate. And uh-huh. here my my locker mates, 21 years old. He got drafted as a 17, 18 year old kid. I went to four years of college. He stayed in the minor leagues and 
still in a ball and then you know he gets released and he's like yeah i gotta even start school now i gotta do Ah. this so and you know a lot of it goes to is um if i was in a situation where i had a son or a nephew or someone who got drafted out of high school the money better be pretty good to pass up college right and you know everyone's different now too and i get that in grades and school and everything else but most of the time i steer kids like hey the the percentages are not in your favor to even get drafted to play even what I did, um, let alone get that, you know, mega contract on TV. Right, right. I always thought some of it had to do too, though, like with what your ambitions were, because there are some kids who really never planned to go to college. But if if you want a college degree and or, you know, want a career that requires a college degree, then then absolutely that should be taken into account. Oh, absolutely. And see, nowadays, too, it is a lot different because, I mean, now you can get, and this wasn't available to me, but you can get drafted now and take college online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you really, yeah. you know, if you really want to. Um, for us, it was so hard because when the seasons end and began, it was like, if you weren't in that chair, you didn't get credit. Right. I'm curious about this. Um, it, it sounds like it's probably an obvious answer based on, you know, you mentioned even back in high school, your goal was to get drafted eventually. But I've talked to a lot of people recently who were drafted and opted not to sign because, you know, the money wasn't there, the security wasn't there, they were ready to to basically go out and, and start their life, start their career. So I'm curious, since you had finished your degree, I mean, was there ever any consideration there as to whether or not you were actually going to do this or was it kind of just a no-brainer? Oh, no. I mean, well, for me, our season ended like, I would say like a week or two before graduation. So it's like school ended, graduated, then a week later, week and a half later, I got drafted. Um, so it wasn't like I got out of school and had some crazy job offer, nor was mm-hmm. I really like out there prospecting at that point in time. So for me, it was like, I'm sitting and waiting on the draft and we're going to see what happens here. You know, my eggs were in that basket. Okay, right, <laughs> um, right. And so fortunately I did get drafted. So I played one, two, three seasons with the Pirates. Then I went back for spring training my fourth year. And that spring training, the you know, that offseason, the Pirates Big League Club wasn't doing so well. So that offseason, they fired the general manager, the coach, like everybody got fired. So when I got back to spring training the following year, it was all new people. And just like the business world, new people bring in their people too. Mm. So my dad always told me, hey, the, you know, when, once I got drafted, it was like, hey, you're in this is business now. Um, right. And so that's what it was. And so, you know, not that I would have made the big leagues, but... But on one side of it, you know, a lot of the coaches that liked me and pulled for me had no say anymore or were gone. And so I got released in spring training. And then I played a year in the Atlantic League, which was an independent league, had a decent year on a bad team. And then that offseason, I got offered to go to Italy. I got offered a few other places. But at that point, I was in my mid-20s. And I was just done. You know what I mean? It was, you know, because again, it is a business and it's business. It's political. There's a lot of things. You know, a lot of things don't change from Little League, you know, all the way up. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of like, hey, I I got to travel. I got to go to school for free. I got to meet people, do things, open doors for me. I was ready to kind of be done and 
hang out with my friends in the summer, so to speak, right? And so I, I don't look at it negatively. You know, I, I, I got to do everything I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to go away to college, did it. Wanted to play, get drafted, did it. Wanted to play pro ball, did it. Did it end the way I wanted? No, you know, I, I didn't get that. But who doesn't really get the end that perfect for, right? Um, right? So I was able to do so many things and created so many opportunities. And, you know, even the, the space I got into is a small world. So you know, for me, I'll, I'll throw this tidbit out there. You know, I was playing, you know, I got drafted in 99 and I was left-handed pitcher. I could top around 93, but I was about 88 to 91, 92 through my slider, low 80s. Didn't have a changeup. If I had a changeup, I probably would have went further. Ah. I always did really well with my fastball slider, curveball. Didn't really think I needed a changeup until you get to the pro ball. And then it's like, no, 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 you're at a different level now. Um, everyone could hit two pitches. You need three pitches. And, you know, I also, in that era, wasn't doing steroids. And no matter what Bud Selig and the boys say, it was running rampant. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. So I remember that time. That is a whole nother whole another topic for another day um, (laughs) that can go on for days and and whatnot. But like I said, I have no regrets. I had a great time Uh, when I was going into the real world for jobs. You know, most of the time I would say like, well, I've already had the best job ever. Um, And and you really can't get mad at me for saying that. And and every interview they would say to me, you are the one person that could probably tell me that and get away with it. This would be the (laughs) job that would be the best job you ever got. Like, I know, I know. But like, you can't argue with me here. This is the second best job I would ever have. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. So you're talking about mental toughness and playing such a big role in pitching and stuff like that. So can you tell us what your game day ritual kind of was when you're playing in the minors? And then if you had okay. any superstitions, because I'm I'm really uh-huh. <laughs> so interested in that. Stephanie loves to talk about superstitions. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as routine, pro ball, it was easier to get in a routine because that's all you did all the time. Right. In college and high school, it was like you're running from class. You know, it was a lot harder to kind of set routines um, mm-hmm. in the younger years. I will say that the one thing I probably was superstitious not to be superstitious. So I would try not to <laughs> wear the same stuff all the time because then I, I don't want to have to wear that. Right. So it was like, you know, when I was in the minor leagues, especially, you had two of everything. So you, I would wear one set of stuff for warm ups, and then I'd, you know, and then after all your working out, then you'd go in, and I would always shower and, you know, look good, feel good, play good, right? I mean, most people don't even understand this either. For for a pro game, we, you know, our game was at seven o'clock. Pitchers, if it was a home game, we had to be at the field at like one, mm-hmm. twelve thirty, mm-hmm. one o'clock. So you know, from that time on, we're doing all this work, and then it was like, all right, well now it's time to get dressed for the game. So I would, you know, shower up and everything. So I had two of everything. So it was kind of like I would just throw it all in there and I didn't know what I was wearing. And I made sure I tried not to do the same thing all the time. (laughs) Right. Right. To mix it up so it wouldn't be. Yeah. You know, in the dugout, I'd try and kind of sit in the same areas. I wouldn't, you know, be up and all over the place, especially when I was pitching. When I wasn't pitching, I mean, I was all over the map. Um, Right. When In high school, I hit and played. But then from college on, you know, it became like, oh, this PO thing isn't that bad. This is, oh. you know, this is, this is nice life, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, hitting, like you guys got to go in the cages all the time and hit, hit, hit. And so pitchers, it's like, all right, get some running in, but you know, you're running a group of buddies <laughs> better right. than the suicides in basketball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so my superstition was not to be superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> so you talked about, you know, 
know, going out into interviews after you were done playing and, you know, you would tell them that you already had the best job there was. But it sounds like you've had a lot of baseball jobs. Did you ever work outside of baseball? You mentioned that you'd coached, you gave lessons, you worked for an academy. Yeah. Um, so I graduated, played pro ball, got out of that. And I was doing, you know, I was doing the lessons and the clinics and doing all that. And then I was like, all right, I got to get a real job. And so I went into medical sales. And then I, I was on a trip. I visited my friends in Houston that I went to college with some guys from the golf team, the baseball team, everyone was down here and they were brokering and trading. And I came down to visit him in January and it was 74 degrees and the cost of living was a joke compared to New York. And all my buddies were making a ton <laughs> of money. And I was like, and I was like, what do you guys do? And they're like, oh, we trade and broker. And I was like, I think I could do that. And so within six months, I moved to Houston and I was a commodities broker from 2008 until 2013. And then at that point, I said, I'm done with this. And I went back into the baseball world and I opened up an academy down here and did the lessons, camps, clinics, teams, and did all that for a few years. And then that led me into a chance meeting. And then, um, you know, I, I um, partnered up with, with a couple hand surgeons and we uh, formed a company that uh, came out with a protective batting glove. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Truletic. I know you've got a story mm-hmm. about how that got started. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I was actually at a golf outing down here in Houston and ran into a hand surgeon, um, Dr. Mark Chalia, up in the Woodlands, North Houston here. And um, we were talking baseball. And then I said where I was from. He says, you got to be kidding me. My wife is from Staten Island. Um, Dr. Chalia did his residency in New York City um, under a doctor named Dr. Malone, who's at Mount Sinai. He wound up meeting his wife. So we had, you know, we're just having a good time connecting. And then he said to me, he said, hey, tell me something. How come no one's ever designed a batting glove that protects hands? He's like, I had so many kids that come into my office and it's handmates and hands and this and that. And, you know, how come no one's done anything? I said, honestly, I've been talking about this. Like, I have no idea. I said, you know, I just think it's probably like an R&D thing. And, you know, batting gloves were were formed to protect for blisters, really, and gripping the bat. Mm -hmm. I said, so, you know, no one's no one's really cared to do anything. He said, well, my mentor, Dr. Malone, created the inner wrap glove for Everlast boxing gloves way back when. And Everlast, he was their head of R&D. He said he has a patent and I can use that and let's look at that. And I said, hey, this is awesome. You know, let's do it. And so we started in June of 16, got a glove designer, explained what we were trying to do. Um, she was a material science major. So she had some ideas on different protective gels and hard coatings and stuff. And so four and a half years later, here we are with a protective batting glove. Um, in between all that time, I spend time with minor league teams, college teams, and basically would show them a prototype and tell me, tell me how to make it better. Don't tell me what's good about it. Tell me what stinks about it. And so again, getting back to constructive criticism, right? So we took all that in and, um, we wound up putting this glove together. And um, in November, we got our first shipment um, and we entered into the ABCA baseball convention, which is the largest baseball convention in the world. And we won best in show for our technology um, out of all the products in the show. Wow. You know, we came out of nowhere and was like, holy, you know what I mean? Like we were, just, we were right. hoping to be in the running, you know, and right. then we just got our first shipment and we win this big award. And now it's like, hey, um, you know, I've gotten calls from the University of 
Iowa and high schools and colleges and pro guys. And, you know, right now, one of the big things I'm noticing is agents and trainers are interested because they're the ones that need to protect their players, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, like we are kind of a one of a kind new product on the market. We we took our gloves and we sent them out to the UCLA Impact Labs um, and we put our glove head to head with um, one of our one of the top competitors out there. Mm-hmm. And we won handily. Um, handily. Ha ha. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> you like that, huh? <laughs> um, and so we uh, we have protection from the fingers all the way down to the wrist, the hamate. There's nothing out there like this. And so more and more we're getting out there. People are, you know, and again, baseball is a creature of habit, right? So a lot of people are, whoa, these look, they look different, right? Because, you know, they're a little thicker looking because uh-huh. there's all this protection in it. And um, then they put them on and they say, oh, man, these are comfortable you know and it's funny hearing these grown you know, especially these pro guys are been saying man these are comfy and i'm just like what is all? it sound like you're putting on slippers or something you know <laughs> right. and um they're all like man these are comfy these feel good i like these so we've gotten great feedback now we're just trying to get our name out there and compete with the big boys right we're, you know there's the the guys that have been in the game for a real long time and we're just trying to kind of gradually get our name out there and and really tell our story that like you know we were designed by hand surgeons you know these guys were just sick and tired of seeing a kid come into his office and miss his chance you know if you get hit in the hand and break your hand that's six to eight weeks and getting your timing back like that's a season that could be your senior year that could be a chance to get a scholarship and then maybe you don't play anymore or if you're in college that was your chance to get drafted and that's over or in pro ball you ain't got the chance to move up because you got hit and it's just like why isn't there a solution how come you know and so we we kind of took that on our shoulders you know at the end of the day, we spent a lot of money on R&D and most companies, you know, they're not spending for these big companies. They don't see the need to spend that money. You know, they can just probably get a pair of gloves made for a dollar and sell them for 40. And all it is is a blister preventer. Right. You know, we're looking at it and saying we're really not a batting glove. We're like a protective piece. Right. We're like a shin guard or an elbow guard. Well, you know, hey, we'll protect against the blister. But we're looking at the big picture of your hammy, your fingers, your metatarsals you know, ligaments, tendons, you know, all that stuff. Right. Right. And and if you don't mind, um, I'll offer some feedback that, that Stephanie and I have because our 13-year-olds were both lucky enough to try out a pair of the prototypes, I believe they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you had mentioned that they look different and they absolutely do. When, first of all, they come mm-hmm. like a really fancy packaging. I really did appreciate that. <laughs> Good. We were we spent a lot of time on that. We were we were really excited about that too. Yeah, I was impressed with like they felt very high quality when you know when you open up the packaging. And so when I showed them to my son, he was like, "Did you buy me hockey gloves?" Uh-huh. And well, and in all fairness, I also probably got one size too big. But he had okay. insisted when I asked him his batting glove size, he insisted that he he was ready to go up a size, and his current ones were too small. And so whatever, I took his word for it. We got him a size up. So they were already probably a size too big on top of it. But he was like, "Yeah, these." you know these look different but he was very impressed with the presentation and the packaging and I think mm-hmm. just felt felt very professional opening those up and putting them on and he immediately ran downstairs to uh do, take some swings mm-hmm. off the tee with them and they do they definitely look different there's like a, a fairly thick pad across Stephanie what do you call this part of your hand like the the heel of your hand maybe the heel that's yeah what, I guess the heel yes it is the heel the yes bone, the hook handmate Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. Is I'm like, huh, you know, that's a little different. And to be completely honest with you, my first thought was like, I don't know, that seems like it's going to feel kind of weird. And he thought the same thing, but ran downstairs and took several swings off the tee and said, nope, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to affect my swing at all. Like, I really like it, you know, because we're in Michigan, we've only been able to play so much ball. Right. But um, he was able to use it in one scrimmage. 
but he did yep. say right. that he, you know, you don't feel like the the vibration. Like if you don't square mm-hmm. a ball straight up in the sweet yep. spot, you know, there's that little vibration. And he said he really mm-hmm. didn't feel it nearly as much. And so yep. he thought, like, for him, he would like it on a really cold game, you know, where it really stings <laughs> when yep. you're swinging. And he felt like it would really help with that. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you had talked about the hammock bone. And mm-hmm. for listeners, if you have never listened to this podcast, I want you to check out No Crying in Baseball. I recently was introduced to them and have gone back and listened to a bunch of past episodes. And it's run by by two women who are huge fans of Major League Baseball. And they do this series that I find super entertaining where they pick baseball boyfriends. So they each mm-hmm. pick players from every Major League team that they really like for reasons like off the field but mm-hmm. then they also enter them into this this fantasy baseball draft. So they want them to be, you know, good players too as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they have this theory that, and this is going to kind of go against what you're talking about, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> they have this theory because it's so common for players to have this hamate surgery because uh-huh. it does. It gets fractured yep. or whatever all the time that people after they have the surgery and they go through the recovery they come back and they have this like superhero power and they have like a really good season after they had that surgery <laughs> so who knows why that happens and if that's really I... a thing but that's their theory okay <laughs> i do have a theory on this oh, okay. um, and, as, and as a player okay so i'm sure you've heard oh well I got Tommy John and I came back and I throw harder now. Yes. Right? You hear that all the time, uh-huh. right? Now, hey, I, I played with these guys. I saw these guys, right? Now, listen, when they go in and they figure eight your ligament back in there into the Tommy John, of course, it's stronger in there, okay? But at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. yes. So they got surgery and then they spent the next 16 months working their asses off, mm-hmm. whole body conditioning and everything. And then they're like, man, I'm throwing harder. I'm doing this. I'm like, well, if you would have done that shit before you had the surgery, <laughs> you wouldn't be in this boat right now, okay? Because you didn't right. work out and do anything before you got hurt. And now you are actually, you've spent the last year doing forearm curls and wrist and you know what I mean these guys would just do a complete overhaul of their bodies in a year just to get back in play because they miss it and then they're like wow I'm like yeah you're also in the best shape of your life right, <laughs> right. so that is one of my theories yeah uh-huh. and I agree with you that was the first thing I figured is whatever they're doing for rehab is you know mm-hmm. it, it's oh, helping them out strengthening <laughs> strengthening yes. everything else you're working they're, they're doing band work for like two hours a day on rehab and I'm like yeah you didn't even you use rubber bands to to wrap up your papers you know before this you never even used a band right uh-huh. right and, and i don't know if this is common i'm i don't know anything about this surgery but i was reading about you know players that have had the surgery um and a, a lot of people have just to name a, a few names there's jose canseco ken griffey jr mm-hmm. tony Gwynn jr dustin pedroia pablo sandoval and, and Sandoval broke both of them, but it says that the surgery entails removing the hamate bone. So now mm-hmm. he doesn't have one in either wrist. Oh, is that the is that what they normally do? They remove it? Yes. Ah. Um, so Dr. Chaya has actually showed me some pictures and I, I am not good with that stuff. I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, I don't want, I don't know. Uh-uh. I mean, I'm the, I was the kid at 12 years old that a kid bunted the ball and it ricocheted, hit him in the face. He turned around and looked at me and his like just blood everywhere and i oh. passed out <laughs> i mean i went down in the oh, dugout yeah. i was You're like, like I'm out. No. Oh. yeah so 
but I, I've seen it and it is nasty. And I'm just like, hey, guys, buy the gloves. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Save yourself. Save yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I don't like the idea of that at all. And I've seen I don't know what bones I've seen get broken, but I, I mean, just in our tiny experience in youth baseball, I've seen somebody break some part of their hand or wrist twice, mm-hmm. like where I was there and witnessed it myself. Um, and I believe on both of them, they were swinging. Right. And so, yeah, it, it definitely happens. And, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. mom. I'm literally one of those moms that would have my kids in head-to-toe, like, gear. They'd mm-hmm. have, you know, face shields and chest protectors yeah. and elbow. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like, mm-hmm. especially with pitchers, I am so terrified that they're going to get hit in the face or something someday. I want them to have those, like, Masks. hat yeah. protectors. Yes. And, yeah. I just, I love this idea. <laughs> Well, when I played, I mean, listen, when I played too, if you said like, oh, you're going to wear that mask protector and some of these other things, we would have been like, you're out of your mind. Get out of here. I'm not wearing that thing. You know, but I will say this athletes, the training kids are bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, like I go to high school games down here in Texas and these kids are just average pitchers are pumping mid eighties. You know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. you get hit with 82, you can get hurt um, with 82 let alone these kids that are reaching 90s in high school. And if you look at the videos of how these kids are training now, they're training to just throw hard. And so with that, that's why I say, hey, the protective stuff now, like, yeah, I get it. I mean, like you watch highlights, pitchers are throwing hard and balls are running up and in. So it's kind of goes into the thing of like, all right, well, if you can wear something to protect you, or if you get hit in the hand, now nothing's a guarantee, but Quick story is one of the kids I've given lessons to him since he's nine years old, has a pair, didn't want to wear them just because he's a kid. You know, he's a high school kid. I, I don't want them. They're not my thing. You know, I, whatever. I don't need them. So the dad's like, ah, he's not going to wear them. Just take them back. All right, cool. You know, no big deal. A week later, phone rings. Hey, I'll be at your house. I need a pair of gloves. He got hit in the hand last night. Um, oh. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, now that people know something's out there and they see somebody get hit or they get hit, then it's like, okay, you know what? There's an option. I'm going to go with that. Just like the flap. And it's going to take some time, but I'm sure it's going to catch on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of compare, this maybe isn't the best comparison, but, you know, you mentioned normal bedding gloves are to kind of help, you know, improve grip and protect against blisters. I feel like just from looking at it, the difference between the Truletic gloves and standard bedding gloves, it's like comparing a compression shirt that a kid may wear under his jersey versus like a chest protector. Mm -hmm. It's just a completely different product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that was our thing is like, when you say batting glove, you think of what you're already thinking about. That's why a lot of times we'll throw out there and say, oh, we're a handguard in a batting glove. Yeah, that's know, like, a good point. We're trying to be creative of like, you know, we're, we're a piece of equipment. Like uh-huh. you have your shin guard. And again, too, when your kid's, if he's going to hit off the tee, he's probably not going to put on his helmet with the face thing, his elbow guard, his shin guard, because I'm just hitting off the tee. Mm-hmm. Same thing with these gloves. You may not put them on when you're doing that, right? But on the other side of it, the hamate padding, when you're hitting, that's stinging over time, and that vibration is what eventually cracks it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that pad helps to prevent that over time as well. So, you know, the cool thing is, too, is, you know, right now the gloves are made out of leather. We're looking at some synthetic options where it won't wear or, or rip. Um, so, like, we're trying to, you know, also be ahead of the curve and look at new materials and things out there. Because, again, you know, we're, we're trying to have the best product out there that's going to last and parents and players are going to trust. Right. Absolutely. So if our listeners want to find more information or make a purchase, Derek, where should they go? Um, well, our website is www.truletic.com. That's uh, T-R-U 
L-E-T-I-C. Okay. Um, and then our social media, you know, we have the Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff is under Truletic. And um, on there, you can hear more about our stories. We have some pretty cool videos. We have a video of taking a, a hammer and smashing a hand wearing a glove and you don't even feel it. So we, we got some cool stuff like that. And for your listeners, um, what we'll do is we'll create a, uh, a coupon code for listeners of the show, Moms in Baseball, and then we'll give uh, 20% off to your listeners uh, when they go on their website at the checkout. That's great. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. So uh, listeners, again, if you go to truletic.com, T-R-U-L-E-T-I-C, and I will put that in the show notes as well and enter the, the coupon code or the discount code moms and baseball for 20% off. That's, that's a great deal. Yes. That's amazing. And key. And if you're listening now, you are going to be wearing those gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Again, now that people know there's an option, uh-huh. you're all of a sudden going to be at a game and take notice when somebody gets hit in the hands more and say, well, wait, Absolutely. there is something you could wear now. And I think that's how we're trying to get our buzz out there. Yeah. Yes. I like how you said hand guard, though. That, that like, clicks. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on to talk to us, Derek. It was a pleasure to hear more about your experience and, and to learn about the gloves that you guys designed. Yes, thank you very much for having me. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys. And uh, hopefully maybe come on the show again soon and let you know how we're progressing. Absolutely. That would be amazing. All right. Well, thanks so much. Have a great day. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to us today. On deck for next week, we have an interview with Mark Kreziak. Mark has just a vast wealth of baseball knowledge and has been involved in the game at nearly every level, from being a college baseball player himself to being a trainer. He had his own facility, was a varsity coach, started a massively successful travel baseball organization, and was also an associate major league scout. Mark is completely full of great stories, and we'd like to talk to him about things that he's noticed, uh, turn-ons and turn-offs when evaluating players. This is something that he likes to talk about. And we are especially interested in learning more about. So this isn't going to be an episode you're going to want to miss. Until then, keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are Moms and Baseball. Please join our Facebook group, Parents and Baseball. You can also check out our website, momsandbaseball.com. If you're enjoying our podcast, remember, take a moment to click follow or subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. It is free and will help (laughs) us a ton. Until then, have fun at the fields. We'll see you next week. Houston, Texas. Did I? I wrote Houston, New York, and I'm an idiot. Yeah, Obviously, I was like, Houston I didn't is think in Texas. So either. <laughs> I, that shows you that I'm not even listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm glad somebody's here, Derek. That's so <laughs> funny. Fun. <laughs> Can you hang out at more of our episodes and help us out? I know, right? <laughs> You're taking the pressure off of me right now. This feels good. <laughs> That's so funny. We're I'm not gonna... even drinking this time. Like, this is bad. <laughs> Wait. Stephanie. Oh, you are. (laughs) Hey, I am home alone. My family is on vacation. I bought a big old box of wine and I plan on drinking it before they get back. That's nice. That's nice. I should open one now. Yeah. All right. Good for you guys. It's been a week, Derek. It's been a week. (laughs) 